Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are discussing slimy sales tactics. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. It feels like a really long time since it's just been the three of us recording an episode. Guys, it's episode 23. It's just uh, Matt, Jeff, and Jer here today, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, it's a Jordan episode, and we're back on our original sort of turf stopping ground. Yeah, we're back at Matt's house. It's just us. Matt, we missed you. I missed you. I missed that episode. episode. I apologize to our listeners, but uh, yeah, family, family emergency. As <laughs> Jerry was not having that. No, he, he like he He's called like, me yeah, out. Do not try to make it seem like this is a big deal. Well, and you seemed like you were in a panic when I'm like, "What do you mean you're not going to be here?" And you're like, "I got to get up to Tulamine. I got to do this. I well, got I was weatherproof." Right. It snowed last night, yeah. so Winter's I I feel in. like I have a bit of validation. Sure, with my family emergency, <laughs> Fam- family property emergency. <laughs> Uh, but it's, yeah, it has been a while and it's just the three of us now and it's kind of our regular show routine because we've really been out of the the routine with guests and sort yep. of less real estate related topics and more elections. So this is, this is cool. I'm looking forward to it. Tangentially today. real estate related. Whereas today we're, we're going full real estate. <laughs> Absolutely. What's, uh, what's been going on with you, Matt? Um, you know, what was kind of on my mind as we talk about weather changing and all the rest of it is I did, we did a couple open houses this weekend and it was absolutely pouring rain yes. Sunday afternoon. Pouring rain. And we did some opens at a number of listings, and they were not very well attended. Hmm. And I never like to subscribe to the idea that weather really affects how many people come to your open house, because if they're interested in your property, they're probably coming no matter what. Um, but We debate it back and forth. Were, were they first week on the market listings? No. Okay. Yeah. Because I, be- I had a first week on the market listing, and I had more people through than any open I've done in the last two weeks. Yeah. But, I, but we all know there's a lot of excitement in that first week. Yeah, right? first week is a big yeah. difference. So I just noticed that, and I thought to myself, okay, uh, do I have to just accept that sometimes the weather does keep people inside or whatever it is, right? But I, I still feel like that the people that want to purchase a property and that are wanting to buy, they're not stuck in their house and saying, no, I'm just, I cannot go see these properties because it's raining out, especially in Vancouver. I I actually subscribe to the opposite. I get worried when it's a really nice day, especially when it's the first really nice day in a long time. Yeah. And that's fair too. So for exactly that reason, I try to not think about weather at all, right? <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise you keep saying, well, it's so nice out. People didn't come. It was so bad out. People didn't come. I mean, <laughs> it was exactly <laughs> lukewarm today and people didn't come. That <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be waiting to do open houses. Like, no guys can't, not this weekend. No, yeah. It might rain. Yeah. Let's try to get the weather forecast just right. You know, not the way to do it. I don't know, man. Jeff? I, I had, uh, well, I mean, we all had a good week. I, the one thing um, that I thought was really cool is uh, I did a deal with a couple that are listeners of the show, and you guys did a deal with the couples that are listeners of the show, Yep, which uh, was kind of fun. Always fun. And, and not to plug our audience too much, but uh, off air, we all talked about it, and they were like the best clients we've ever had. So, yeah. so thank you, listeners. 
it was pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time gushing over it, but it was, it was a great experience and, uh, happy that we both had success on the same week. So no one's feeling jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were a little, he had a little bit more lead time, so we were a little bit quicker, but really, I'm just putting it out there just so people yeah. in the future, if anybody's... It was really weird when, when Jer came into my office and was like, when's your subject removal day? I'm like, why? And then he's just writing a day earlier just to... <laughs> We're we not need, competitive we at all. We need this done by Friday. It's imperative. <laughs> well, and, and both groups used a friend of the show, Stephanie Barrett. Which, if people want to go back and listen to Steph's episode, she did a whole episode on... Uh... Matt knows the number. Oh, does, Matt, Matt, do you know the number? Oh, yeah, episode six. Yeah. Yeah, it. Uh, so that's and possibly too. episode twenty-seven. We'll probably have her. I think we'll have Steph back pretty soon. She was she was talking to me uh, about how much people are starting to use alternative lending and thought that it might use be worth coming on. And, yeah, I'm interested and to discuss hear about that. Yeah, yeah, me too. And we need an update overall, right? Yeah, I mean, Steph came on in the spring for sure. So it's it's time to hear from her again. Yeah, sweet, Mr. Jeremy. Well, normally you ask me how things are going first, and then uh, oh, did I throw I usually, you off? I usually get to have something good in there um, and beat Matt because a lot of times, if it's going to be Matt, he'll just sort of take any sort of updates that I might have. Um, but uh, because you're the newest I, guys, yeah. <laughs> we're the we're the same person. Um, I'm just super pumped. It's fall. I love this time of year. Um, also, I just had a, a BK Joe coffee, which has <laughs> just got me uh, got the blood flowing. Um, also, it's like election time. Um, you know, we're we learned a lot about some of the you know ins and outs of city council. Uh, learned a lot from the incumbents. Also learned a lot about the progressives. Yeah, uh, which was which is interesting. Um, so I, it's just been that's yeah, good. We don't always have an election, so it's lots of exciting stuff going on. That's it. Other than the yeah the the new you know new buyers from the show that were amazing as we mentioned. Cool. Well. Um Today, what we're going to do is something that we haven't done on the show before. Um, we're going to talk about sales tactics, and I'll get into how we're doing that. But why don't we, uh, when we play our cool bumper, Matt? Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, you lost wrong. Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Now, the birth of what we're going to talk about today happened um, probably a few years ago. I was dealing with a buyer who was a psychology professor. And while we were out uh, looking, she said to me, uh, after the process was finished, you know, you should really read this book uh, by Robert Cialdini, who is a uh, psychology professor, I believe in Arizona, uh, called Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. And what this book is, is it is all about uh, why people buy. And it's, it's actually used for the the target of the book is the consumer how to protect yourself against sales tactics that's who it was written that for. is who it is written for and i happily said to my uh client when she recommended it oh yeah i've read that uh salespeople all over the world read this book as a how to sell <laughs> <laughs> it's become this textbook book. for sales oh it it is a total textbook 
for for how um people persuade people and this book has had a bunch of different names over the years uh right now i believe it's called the psychology of persuasion you can find it under influence science and practice sometimes it's just called influence but they're all essentially the same book if people are interested and there's six essential uh methods of sales that he goes through in the book and i thought it would be fun uh because neither of you guys have read this book, correct? Correct. I have not. True. Okay. So I thought it would be fun to go through each of his six sort of fundamental sales tactics, talk about how these are applied in real estate, and just to have some fun with it, also uh, apply a how greasy is this um, sales method. <laughs> um, and a lot of them will be sliding scales. And and Matt, you had talked about creating a scale. So what's our what's our greasiest image what 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 tops the scale is the greasiest this is disgusting to me it's a it's it's a kfc double down a kfc double down which is for those of you who don't know instead of a and i've had this once by accident (laughs) by accident (laughs) accidentally on purpose it accidentally Um, just fell in my mouth they substitute a bun for fried chicken it's like a fried chicken sandwich with two pieces of fried chicken yeah essentially yeah so yeah, it's how um, very American. It's quite greasy, and there's bacon on top. Okay, that would maybe be mine. Other- so the double down. So we're gonna call the ultimate grease factor a double down. KFC double down. KFC double down. Okay, mm-hmm. or a full pack of like thick bacon. But make up your mind. Uh, double down consensus. I, I I'm all over double down. Okay. Uh, what is the least greasy uh, thing on our scale? Rice cake. Rice cakes. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, the driest thing. Okay. Uh, so we've got the double down. We've got uh, rice cakes. Do we need a middle? Middle ground. Middle ground. Yeah, Uncle Jesse. John Stamos? Like from Full House? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not food. <laughs> okay, you got to explain that one, Matt. <laughs> Uncle Jesse had the greasy he, hair, man. He did have kind of... His a, hair was greasy. He had rocker greasy hair. But he still had a heart of gold, so he's not full full grease? Yeah, he's Is in that, the middle. Okay. He's got the greasy appearance, but it turns out... And he could lean one way or the other, like him eating a double down. He might have a double down. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, all right, so we've got rice cakes. We've got Uncle Jesse. We've got double down. Uh, Let's start on our first sales tactic. And this is something most listeners are going to be very familiar with. Um, Cialdini calls this principle scarcity. And this is something anybody who's in sales, I think, will have had people discuss of making the buyer feel like whatever it is they're buying could go away, could they could lose it. And in the book, um, the example he gives is Tickle Me Elmo. So... Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I didn't know this before I read the book. Uh, Tickle Me Elmo was the way Tickle Me Elmo was introduced. And if we all remember, it was the first Christmas gift that was like, ah, we've got to have this. Must have it and can't get it. And can't get it. So this was actually engineered. It was 100% engineered. It was a plot by toy stores who all got together and said, after Christmas, we have about three months where nobody buys toys. And they they intentionally carried less of Tickle Me Elmo, knowing it was going to be crazy uh, amounts of hype, knowing that parents would go, they couldn't get Tickle Me Elmo, they'd buy something else, but then they'd tell their kid, because they still want their kid to have a good Christmas, don't worry, when it's back in stock, we're going to get you Tickle Me Elmo. And so they got sales post-Christmas 
from Tickle Me Elmo. And that was the whole point. And also the fact that you couldn't get it, everybody wants what everybody else wants, just drove the hype even further. I did not know that. about. Did you know that, Matt? I didn't know it was the first one. I didn't know it was, a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've been doing it ever since. They do it. There's often. always one now. Nintendo seems to love it. When they, when they first did it with the Wii every year at Christmas, they seem to run out of inventory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just can't make it fast enough. Yeah, weird. So what does scarcity look like in real estate? So you want to talk, I think, also it's a bit, you want us to sort of identify whether we think it is or not, or whether... Well, let, let's first discuss how this applies to real estate. And then, and then we can talk about our, our grease factor afterwards. Okay. Scarcity. Uh, can you use it in a, in a sentence? Uh, an example. I'm, jo- I'm totally kidding. Okay. Oh. Uh, I, I was going to say an example of scarcity would be. Seller's market. Not enough inventory. Yeah. Non- and, and, and there's a distinction too. Because there's real scarcity which we often have in our market, where there really is not enough Which, which was, What I was going to say is that we, we do have to preach that to people yeah. you know, for certain products, and it's not us selling. So this is going to be difficult to yeah. actually, because it's not, it's not black and white. No, but you have to just speak to the scenarios. Okay. We're trying to educate the, the, the listener on what's real and what's not. And, I mean, cl- and educate me, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first thing that came to mind for me is when you're, you're, you're touring a property with a client and the listing agent is saying, well... I've had two other people who've come in and they tell me they're going to write an offer after the open house today. Yeah. That's the, that's the greasy move. That would be the double down. <laughs> yeah, that's the KFC double down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the, the next level one of that I find where the client doesn't always know they're being greasy is, um, oh, yeah, you got in before the open house. If you're interested, we're having an open house again Sunday 2 to 4, which every time triggers, oh, maybe we should write before the open house because we've seen it. But nobody else has seen it yet. Yeah. Someone else is going to come in and love it, and they're going to buy it. So we better buy it before the open house. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason this is very effective. So It's fear of loss, right? Yes. So so. Com- coming from a listing agent saying that a lot of times, and, and nowadays, I mean, buyers are so much more savvy than, than they used to. Like, you know, our generation, just with internet, with everything, with research, there's a lot of tools that are out there. So somebody telling you, like, you better get this or, or it's not going to last, people are usually kind of aware of that. And if anything, especially if it's a buyer's market, they've got the power. Like, okay, cool. Well, and the hardest thing about it is exactly what you said, Jer, because I don't think it's greasy at all if, in Matt's example, if that's true, like if that agent actually has had somebody contact them saying we're going to write an offer, I really want him to tell me so that we know yeah, to valuable. make a decision or not, but if he's lying, oh man, is that a scumbag move? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and those are the ones where he's not quite saying I have an offer written. It's oh, people have said they like it. Yeah. I had somebody through for a second showing earlier today. You know that kind yeah, of yeah. You got to listen to the language. Yeah, it's not definitive. They're just trying to set you up right and hoping that you take the bait. Yeah, you know, without saying sort of black and white, I have received an offer that you would have to compete with. That agent may even know that that isn't going to turn into an offer. Yeah. But they have enough information to say, it may, may not even be true. They may that they may not have been a second showing. Uh, but that's the the fine line there of greasy salesmen or not. Um, and our clients need to understand to maybe not listen so much to that and just focus on their own situation. So here's a, an interesting question. Um, because I think the offer deadline is also a form of scarcity marketing. The we will accept offers by this time 
we we've set a deadline when if you don't have it by this time, there's a good chance you're going to miss it. Do we feel like the offer deadline is greasy or not? No. I'm hoping for a little elaboration. I, I thought I thought maybe somebody else would also have. Well, I I yes or no opinion. I agree with you. Um, yeah. So yeah. I I don't think it's greasy because uh, there if there are more than one person genuinely interested and you think that it's a property that's going to have that much interest, there's benefit to allowing people to prepare themselves to to write the, the the appropriate offer that they want to make. And if you do take a risk as a seller, because if it turns out that no one else is interested and you're standing there with just the one interested party... You've lost a lot of leverage. <laughs> yeah. I, I think an, something to note is that actually came... It kind of came from an innocent place when if things are picking up, markets picking up, ton of showings. Most sellers don't even want to look at an offer anyways. Well, we should probably just wait. Let's at least get the open house. This is, came really early. And it became common practice that let's get everybody through and then it evolved to you're not seeing it unless it's the open house. Well, and, and, and then, yeah, which, which would you prefer as the buyer? And we're not seeing this as a tactic right now, but if when the market gets hot again, it'll probably be a thing again, is it sucks that you you see a property and you can't write on it for a couple of days. It also sucks that a listing hit, but you weren't on your computer. Somebody got in in the first hour and they bought it before you even had a chance to get to see it. Both are tough situations for the buyer, and and it's an either-or situation. If you don't wait for offers, that's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people who yeah. wanted to see it who didn't get a chance. Yeah, as a general statement, I'd like people to have the opportunity, both as a representative of seller and buyer. Right. Uh, the only other thing that, that comes to mind for me was scarcity on a, a very separate note that we're not really... Uh, Inter- involved with on a direct level often is at the sales centers. So for pre-sales. Ooh, yes. Right? They play that hard. Yeah. The dots. The red Courtney dots. We talked about. about that in episode 17 with yeah. Courtney. Right? <laughs> yeah. So she's our pre-sales insider. And we were talking about that, how they, they do create that scarcity to say, well, somebody else is interested in this one. They, I've put a red dot on it. But I can call you if it comes available again. Yeah. Or I had it happen with my clients where they said, somebody else is here and wants this. You must buy it now without your realtor who won't get paid yeah, because he's not here. But if you don't, there's somebody else who wants it. And miraculously, very funny situation, four days later when my clients walked hmm. away, there was no one else interested. There was no one else knocking on the door. Scarcity is one of the more high-pressure tactics, I would say. Yeah, don't walk out the door Yeah, because someone else might buy it. And it there was no accountability, too, right now to know whether that was true or not. Yeah, and especially in the sales center where kind of all bets are off, right? I thought there was a, last weekend there was a red dot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the red dot's moved. It's interested in another property. I, I mean, I often use that line, uh, you know, when we talk about properties that have an offer on it that's maybe subject to sale or something to that effect or there's, that there's someone else interested is, it's just like men and women out there in the dating world that when you have a wedding ring on, it, somebody else likes them. You know, they, they are, they're, they're, they're partnerable. Yeah. So yeah. It, it makes them more desirable in a sense. So we're, for, we're just throwing back to all our old episodes here because which episode matt was real estate is like dating oh that was episode four i think <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an early one. <laughs> yeah. so to kind of recap i think it's partially the language if you hear a guy saying like i don't know i had a couple you guys seem pretty interested i can yeah i can give you throw your bone here you know i had I got another couple coming later for their second time but if you write today make something happen probably full double downer someone saying that i've got a second showing I have someone who said that they were going to be meeting with their client. Yeah. Just a heads up, 
you guys might want to start thinking a little bit sooner because we aren't waiting until after the open house. If something does come in, we will deal with it. A bit of a different way of approaching it, but... Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, unless you guys have anything else you want to add to that, I'm ready to move on to move our, on. our next. So, uh, pillar number two is reciprocity. And this is something anybody who's ever been to a meeting at their office where somebody came to pitch them something and that person brought a box of donuts and coffee has experienced reciprocity. Um, what reciprocity, the example they give in the book is they did this study where there were two test cases. In test case number one, uh, two gentlemen were sitting in a waiting room, and one of the gentlemen asked the other, uh, oh, my my daughter's soccer team is selling 50-50 tickets. Would you like to buy them? And in scenario number two, it was exactly the same, except before he offered to sell her the 50-50 ticket or to sell the 50-50 tickets, he walked in and said, oh, I bought a Coke in the vending machine, but two popped out. Would you like this free Coke? And not surprising, the guy who gave the free Coke sold way more 50-50 tickets than the guy who uh, did nothing before he asked for the order. Um, But what was kind of surprising was they pulled everybody as they exited, and the people who bought were given the free Coke didn't like that guy any better than the people who didn't. They just felt a duty, like, it's human nature when somebody does something for us to to pay it back somehow. And that that's what reciprocity is all, all about. Um, so what does this look like in real estate? You've maybe thought about this more than we have, Jeff. You know, the funny thing about reciprocity that I will stall from giving an actual yep. answer. Uh, yeah, is... and I'm putting you guys on the spot. <laughs> yeah, so. we, got, we had no prep for this one. Yeah. So to think of examples is a little tricky off the top of my head. But you've talked about reciprocity before, and I never really spent much time thinking about it until you sort of told me these stories. Yeah. Inherently, and I don't know why, I don't know what went wrong in my upbringing. Yeah. But I have, <laughs> I don't, I don't like debt. Like I don't like to owe the str- anything the strings attached. to anyone. I think a lot of people feel that way, and and because of this, like, yeah. And I yeah. don't know where where it came yeah. from that I have this fear of it. But it's when, from elementary school. What did you do to that can of coke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody offers me a glass of water, and my yeah. instinct is to say no, thank you, even though I'm thirsty. Yeah, because I worry that I now because now you owe, owe them. them. Yeah. And I feel a real obligation. So, and so I have... nothing is wrong with you, Matt. <laughs> You're just a human being. Like this feeling is very real. But I, but I can resist it like like yeah. way too heavily. Yeah. And and so that's maybe where I I don't think of reciprocity examples in business very much because I I tend to steer away from them even though yeah. I agree with you they are effective yeah. in showing someone that you, even that you care for them right I, I want to do something for you because I do care for you yeah I. Totally. And and on, on that note, uh, maybe I'll just go into my thoughts and you guys can jump in about more real estate examples as you think of them. Um, I actually think, again, intent really matters. Like my entire business is built on trying to do more than my clients expect, trusting that if I do that for enough people, they will refer me. That's my entire business model. So rest... I would say reciprocity is how I built my business. I think it gets greasy when you expect it. You're like, you owe me because you did. I did this for you. Right. But just going out there and trying to, uh, well, like a client party. 
is an ex- is an example. Uh, all of us have thrown client parties. Yep. They're a way of saying thank you to our clients for doing business. Um, and also, part of the reason you throw a client party is you want that person to have good feelings about you and either use you again or recommend you to their friends. I don't feel personally like there's anything greasy about that. In fact, I think it's a really nice way to do business. Yeah, we try to structure it in a way that it's authentic and it yeah. is, we really do sincerely You're, thank, you're thanking mean, them for, thank you. yeah. for the business throughout yeah. the years. Yeah, and yeah. to your point, Jeff, is you don't go in expecting something in right. return for doing it. Yeah. Um, now, you do typically expect something to earn the invitation, right? I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, to get an invite to um, my client party, you have to have either done business with me or referred business to me. That that's how. Yeah. How now, I now what happens after it. that is not a requirement. Yeah, and I mean they don't yeah. owe me anything. Yeah, um, it's, but in, I guess to me, like I agree, there is a level of reciprocity there in doing it that you hope that you are then sort yeah. of rewarded for having done that. But I have such a phobia to it. Yeah. That I just don't look at it that way. I, I plan the entire thing in my head is to say, I this is just to say thank you. This is to do the right thing. This is to do the right work for you. And in doing that, yeah, you will refer me. You yeah. will want to do this. But it's I guess I get worried about tangible objects or, or yeah. rewards. And I, I think reciprocity to me is only worth returning for for work. Yeah. For actual deliverables on right. the work side of things, not not gifts. Yeah. Well and and that's one of the things in the book. So he talks about because like I said, the book is actually meant for consumers. He said the best way to defend yourself mentally, maybe this will help Matt, I don't know, <laughs> is if you can mentally say that salesman bought me a coffee because he wants to enact reciprocity, that feeling of reciprocity in me, as soon as you kind of mentally acknowledge it, it, it lets you off the hook. You're like, I can choose to work with this salesman or not, but I don't owe him that just because he bought me a coffee, especially knowing that he bought me that coffee specifically trying to trigger this emotional response. Matt, Matt can't be bought by coffee or donuts. Understandable. <laughs> it's yeah. not, not the way to Matt's uh, robot heart. Yeah. <laughs> and, and usually we see through, like it happens, maybe it's not as the clear sort of example that you're giving yeah. is a technique you might see at other things, right? Like switch to TD and we'll give you an, an iPad or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, we get it at the office. Usually they're... It what kind of grinds our gears is when they say there's breakfast at the Monday meeting, and then it's like Tim and there's Hortons. a speaker, <laughs> yeah. and then they're bringing muffins and 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 coffee, which is not how I define barely breakfast. Con- <laughs> barely continental. <laughs> Are there any other ways that we see reciprocity in in real estate? Well, I'm trying to think of when you're just maybe going to to view a property. Mm-hmm. Right, is something being being given to you in a way that makes you feel an obligation? Some people do try like the the baking and that kind of stuff. To, right. To give yeah. You now, some may say that's just to make more of a personal connection with the home, but you yeah, are making it smell good. Yeah, there's that part too, right? Are you being given something? Are there agents out there who are giving things to you as a consumer in the hopes that you will hire them based on that rather than their merit? There, there's an agent, and I won't use his name. Um, because he's a good friend of ours, <laughs> whose whose wife bakes before his open houses, and he's giving out very tasty baked goods. Um, I would think that somewhere in the back of his mind, part of it is, I hope they choose me be, 
like they have a good feeling about me when I give this. I doubt he's mentally thinking they're going to think they owe me and pick me because of that. Um, but I bet he's thinking, I hope they're going to like me, which actually leads to us to our next. Uh, oh, segue. Uh, I, yeah, I segued it. So um, the the next one uh, is liking. And uh, this is just kind of part of the human condition. We like to do business with people that we know, like, and trust. Like is a major part of that. Um, and I, like, even knowing this, I don't even see anything wrong with it. Like, it works both ways. We've, we've many times on, I think even on the show, talked about how certain realtors attract certain types of clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to work with clients I like. And vice versa, I think that clients like to work with me because they like me in general. Um, I'm sure I have some clients who do not like me, but, you know, for the most part. Um, Where I think this gets into uh, greasy territory is when you're hyper aware of it and you're first sitting down, one of the things we've all been taught is how to build rapport with people when we meet them. And I think it's very authentic to connect with people like I tend to most of my clients have kids around or just a little bit younger than my kids. And I think that's because we have a ton in common to talk about. I fully understand what their needs are in looking for a home. I think it gets into grease factor when you start making things up that you're not into. (laughs) Like you see the picture on the wall of the guy fishing. And even though you've never uh, caught a fish in your life, you're like salmon fishing. I love salmon fishing (laughs) because, um, the point I didn't make is the research in the book is people like people who like the same things as them. Like there is a huge connection with relatedness to them. And yeah, as soon as you are interested in the same things I'm interested in, it's a much smaller gap to get from, I don't know you to, I like you. Yeah. And I think that's an important part of my, our business, but I get genuinely excited yes. when I find out somebody <laughs> I'm working with has a common interest to me. Totally. Well, this, this is where like, <laughs> If somebody is super into, like, has a cabinet tulamine and you have the chance to work with them, I don't think, like, what was our rice? That, that's rice, rice cakes. cakes. <laughs> like, that, that. I, I think family, family connection, rice cakes all day long. Yeah. Um, go, you know, really looking through their house to try and find how can I have commonality with these people? Yeah. Hmm, I see a picture of a bridge on the wall. Are they into bridges? Architecture? What, are, what do we got going on here? Although, I mean, I look in houses when I walk in. A, because I like looking at... That's my, one of my favorite things is just looking at people's stuff. It's our part, a, a part of our job description. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, listeners might not know, but I'm a big board game geek. And if I see board games on a shelf, you better believe we're going to talk about it because I'm excited. Do so you see Monopoly? <laughs> you see Pictionary? No, you no. You see Jenga? Good, mm, no. Board game snob. Yeah, Jared just didn't... Jared's... <laughs> Yeah, what, what alien, call it? you're yeah. alienating all of all of the other board game people. Nobody, <laughs> nobody loves Monopoly. There's, no. there's nobody who, no. unless it's Go Monopoly. Yeah, Monopoly Go's fun for sure. That's a good one. Yeah, but like, and so I you, and I don't think that's. But you're not looking through their cupboards for Monopoly Go or or whatever. No, and I'm not like Facebook searching them. No, but when you're there, you, you do want to see an opportunity to connect. And I think yeah. it's, it, I mean, it's incredibly helpful in our business to yeah. understand the client. Totally. So if you can find something you connect with, then you can, because you understand that 
whatever it is, hobby or whatever it is well, you then have an easier route, a faster route to then understanding them. Yeah. Right? Because of that level of commonality, it puts you on a level plane and then you've pretty much figure out kind of who they are. You know, if they're board game people, you start talking about games and you hear what kind of game they like. Yeah. Because you understand board games, you now understand their personality. Yeah. Right? If they say, I like Monopoly, you're going to... You walk out the front door. (laughs) I I flip the table... You're I yell you're wrong. wrong. Or if they, if they say <laughs> one of my favorite games is Pandemic, yeah. and Jeff's a board game guy, we know Pandemic is a co-op game, yeah. that changes your perception versus, versus the people who refuse to play co-op games and want to play a cutthroat you know, one versus one type game. Well, and, and we're going to be spending a couple months together. So it's nice to have stuff to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like, have, so you we, ever, have you ever done a deal over a board game, signing contracts? Any? While playing while, a board like, game? While playing a game. No, I have uh, bought board games as uh, like closing gifts. Games. And we did the big party where we gave away a ton of games and played yeah. a ton of games. Yeah. That was fun. We should do that so, again sometime. So as a sales tactic, you want people to like you. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can be in sales. And, and I don't know which comes first, chicken or egg. Like, do you get into sales because you want people to like you? Or do you just learn that you need people to like you to, once you're in sales? But either way it happens, people liking you is a big part of sales. And specifically, I think every personality is going to have people who like them. The trick is finding your tribe. Right, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Every, everybody yeah. definitely has a group of people who could like them. You do mm-hmm. mention chicken or the egg. Yeah. I, I will say that before I got in this business, which is like face-to-face, I was in sales before, but it was it was different. Yeah. Uh, my my philosophy and personality in life definitely changed. Like I improved for the better. Yeah, I, I was an angrier person. Hmm. I was I was I was I definitely walked around with more stress and I had a shorter fuse. I feel like that even applies to Matt. Just when you first joined the office to now, I feel like you were a more stressed person when you joined the office. Yeah, than, I've, I've than learned to just yeah. kind of let a lot of things go and enjoy what's happening. Jerry, you've worn off. He on also, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and he's listening to less punk music now, which is probably helped. <laughs> a little less, little less gangster rap. But uh, for me, I've always needed people's acceptance. That's it yeah. change and. You know, so even when you, yeah, when you lose someone, like a not a client, but someone you're trying yeah. to trying to get, and then you realize that they went with Jeff or something, it it just hurts. You know, you cry Why don't a little you bit. Like me? Matt, what happened? What did I do wrong? But you don't want to screw it up, so you learn to yeah. be more likable, and and I, it was a learned trait. But in, in in the end, I am a much happier person. Yeah, I I enjoy more people more. I enjoy a broader sort of range of personalities. Yeah. And I'm virtually never upset now. I mean, I get annoyed by things, but I don't get like angry, angry. You're not, you're not <laughs> losing it. Yeah, <laughs> you were. Can brush it off. Pretty so, good. so where do we put this one on the scale? Is this as long as you're being honest? This is pretty. Even if it's a little. What did we call it? Melba toast. What, what was is the... it rice cake? Rice cakes. <laughs> I, I think. I think as a tactic, it's mostly rice cakes because it's hard to trick someone into liking you. And yeah. it's kind of harmless, even if it even if it does go to like John Stamos, Uncle Jesse mode. Yeah, it's still you're just trying to get someone to like you. You're not necessarily yeah. Like a, a real greasy move is potentially you so, know to the detriment of the the consumer, or the client potentially. The, the super greasy version in the book is this guy who, and I forget his name. He was the number one car salesman in uh, the states for like five years in a row, and. 
he wrote a book on sales called How to Sell Anything to Anybody. And it's step one, walk in, ask them where they've traveled to. Step two, no matter where they say, be like, oh, I was there. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a greasy way. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're you're lying and being deceitful – yeah, I guess it's just how are you actually connecting with somebody? Or because you... our relationships go so deep, like you said, we spend two months together. Yeah, you can't fake it. <laughs> <laughs> when when I was uh, traveling in Japan, I'm like 15 on a cultural exchange. Oh, I've, been, I've been there. You've been to Japan? It was amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. I see what you. And you know the what? Food. Immediately, I was like, "Oh, Jared and I have something to talk about." Well played, sir. Um, <laughs> The, you need uh, to read the book again. I, I, w- I went to Japan on a cultural exchange, and I think my, my host dad was really disappointed in me because I wasn't a sports kid. And like he's like, <laughs> and I think he wanted like he's like, tell me about hockey. And I'm like, I don't play hockey. He's like, oh, you play football? I'm like, I don't play football. And we just went down the list, and I could see him getting sadder and sadder. He was a, a traffic cop and really nice guy. And he um, finally got to golf. And I had played a little bit of golf. Like, I took golf lessons. I was a junior member. Or I, I wasn't a junior member. I was almost a junior member. My dad tried to make me a junior <laughs> at, at Vancouver Golf Club, and I, I just wasn't into it. Um, but I knew enough about golf that I could talk about it. So I just decided, like, for this guy's sake, I'd be like, yeah, I, yeah, I like golf. And then we had a big, long conversation about golf. And I was like, whew, I did it. And then he woke me up at 6 a.m. And he's, like, really excited. He's like, get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. And we drive out, and he doesn't tell me where we're going. And we get to a golf course, and like a, a not a course, a driving range. And he's like, "Teach me." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh no!" And I'm trying to remember every lesson I've ever had, and I crack one, and it goes. Like I, I hit it really well. I'm like, I, I can do this. <laughs> and then for the rest of the day, I couldn't hit one more than like a couple feet. And then finally, he's like, "Well, let me try." And he just nails one. And he looks at me and he goes, "Jeff." Big liar. <laughs> I'm big liar too. <laughs> and he totally knew how to golf. And then, <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I felt that pull of like, I need to relate to this guy on some level. When he was trying to. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> find something relatable. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he took me on his motorcycle, and that was really fun. Because in small town Japan, when you're the traffic cop, you do whatever you want. Nice. <laughs> um, okay, so we've talked about scarcity. We've talked about reciprocity and liking. Um, now, the next one is authority. And the classic example of this is they talk about it in the book Influence, and I've read about it in a bunch of other books. This experiment that was done where uh, guys in a lab coat – Guy being experimented on is in the room. He thinks the experiment is a guy sitting in a chair, and he's supposed to turn a dial that administers pain. And it's actually an actor in the chair. There's no pain happening. But they test somebody in a lab coat telling him to do it. And chances are, if the guy's wearing a lab coat, most of the people, or at least the majority of the people, uh, were willing to increase the level of pain to the point of torture. Right, there was like a red line, right? Like yeah. the the super yeah. pain zone yeah. and they would they would go yeah. past the they line. They would go there if somebody wearing the lab coat was uh, and not even identified as a scientist, just <laughs> just the coat, right? Um what does authority look like in real estate? You wear a lab coat to your open houses. All right, you had a really good joke <laughs> about being going to Japan. 
I, I, I feel like that one wasn't quite as solid. Authority. Yeah. Well, like start, with, author- a, start with a fancy car. Yep. Totally. Yep. Yep. I like that one because it's it's kind of like our storefront for people. If, yeah. If they meet you, you could be meeting, say you give us a call, we never meet you. Our first physical encounter meeting is in front of a listing, in front of a house, and they see you pulling up and the difference between you pulling up in a BMW or Mercedes or whatever, um, and like a Toyota Tercel or what's the Tercel now? They don't have one. What's the Toyota Camry Corolla? They still make those. Run with the Corolla, sure. Okay, Corolla. Yeah, you know a, a rust bucket. Yeah, that. Yeah, that there's an impression. Even a, even a brand new Corolla. There's just there's there's how a good difference. can this guy be at his job? Totally, he's rocking a, you know a subcompact or, or whatever. Yeah. So there there are aesthetic ways of demonstrating your authority, which is. Um, a demonstration of your success, right? Yeah. I, I think another one is the fill-in-the-blank specialist. Like New West? Well, let's get a little bit more specific, like the luxury specialist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or see. the, um, the I see. Queensboro That's specialist or whatever, Matt's right? counter, I think. I yeah, I, see. I, I like uh, my favorite is relocation specialist. <laughs> yeah. I'm really yeah. good at relocating people another, yeah, as oh, opposed oh. to the rest of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and, and it's not so big here, but in, in the States, realtors love their designations. Yeah, they'll put all the... the yeah. uh, I'm the, the senior ac- home S-R- downsizing S-R-E-S. specialist. S-R-E-S. Yeah, they got senior specialist, first-time buyer specialist. Uh, yeah. All sorts of green specialist or some negotiation. When the um, that expert, what, what did they call the short sale specialist when they're when the market was falling and yeah, all all over the so place. De- so professional designations, yeah, give you uh, credentials. Yeah, right. Is does that carry any weight when you see someone's business card and it says Masters of Science or Bachelor of Science? We're just really beaten up on this one realtor who's actually a friend of the oh, show. Matt, no, Matt, no. <laughs> Matt has a degree. No, Matt sorry, has a degree I, I, too. I, I, oh, is this not a? Th- I, I, is this you? No, Do you have. Well, I have. You don't a, put it on a card. I don't put my my university degree on my card. I don't, and I don't yeah. think that the person you're thinking of does either. I wasn't thinking of him. No, I yeah. <laughs> no, there are people though who very explicitly like on all of their marketing, it's their name followed by BSc, Bachelor's of Science, right, and and things yeah. like that. Things that are clearly not very related to. Uh, real estate. That's why I don't put my Bachelor of Human Kinetics on my real yeah. estate card. <laughs> I don't. I don't put film school certificate on my on my real estate. You card. know, but it, but it is a a credential. So are they're yeah. using it as an attempted authority now? Is, is, is that part of this tactic of authority to say that I at think least so. I have yeah a I, credential? I think the goal is the authority goal. Like most of these sales tactics happen while I'm sitting in the room with you. Oh, the this ad- one is setting the table. Right. This is before we've even started. You already are thinking of me as as the authority, and you're going to listen to what I say. And I, I I think putting a designation on a card is totally that. Well, we get all the and this for real estate is. I don't know if this is true for other sort of sales or other things, but we love pats on the back. Whether it's your brokerage pat, patting you on the back for some diamond platinum club, your your real estate. Oh board, yeah, yeah, totally. Your so if you walk into someone's, not that people go into real estate offices anymore, but if you did have somebody in there and they had yeah. all these real estate trophies and things like that, I, I um, have to admit, I, a, you're flexing some muscle. I do that on. Uh, I I put on, and I don't think most people care, but I do put on some of my real estate awards in my listing presentation, and that's it's totally. With the point of being like, without me having to come and say it, 
say, I've sold a lot of real estate. Yeah. And we're, right? def- like, we're defensive with it because we come from an industry where the majority of realtors aren't selling any product. Yeah. But so, everybody wins an award. But like every, every brokerage, every entity in real estate has a way of making sure that everyone working under their umbrella yeah. gets an award because they understand that giving them an award yes. gives them an opportunity to sell their authority <laughs> yeah. when, when trying to get new clients, right? So absolutely totally. that's part of it. So from a consumer looking at that and I want to, you know, I'm working in real estate and what's greasy or what's not, yeah. it's when they're, when these maybe these designations and awards are on there that actually don't apply or are, are not very. <laughs> Uh, significant feats. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't think it, it's greasy or anything. It's probably just rice cake because the public doesn't know the difference between a platinum or a diamond. That's diamond. my concern but, of why yeah. it's greasy, though, is that if you won one, the lowest uh, possible award that you could get. Right. You you won the I Sold One House This Year award. Yeah. yeah but they call that, um, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, bronze level. Triple. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> but they give every one of them a certain... A nice name. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound like it came in second or third. Yeah. Um, like what are there's like president's choice one like for like like the Sutton brokerage has a different sort of yeah weird I, I don't stuff even know every that's brokerage the funny is thing too is right too I know what Remax's awards mean I have no idea when I see friends from other agencies posting their awards I'm like I don't know if that's good I don't know good if it's job. bad yeah <laughs> and we don't know and that's yeah. the greasy part is that it might be like you got that award just because you made it through a whole year in the brokerage yeah right and now you have an award and the consumer sees that and says look I am hiring an award winning agent. Yes. So hanging your hat on that as an advertising model to convince people to to hire you to me is greasy. Yeah. Because they're being sold. It's it's somewhat fraudulent to me, right? Yeah. This and you know again and that that falls to me this this voice of authority saying I'm a top selling agent or I am number one. And mm-hmm. I always laugh that somebody used to give this example of this one agent who'd say like I'm number one agent and then you'd put an asterisk in the week of yeah that says <laughs> yeah. like on Edinburgh Street for the <laughs> the second week of September yeah Edinburgh Street. I haven't heard that one. Episode eight before. from one p.m. <laughs> to five p.m. <laughs> yeah, so he puts like this very specific disclaimer, so you can always be number one because you can you can make yourself number one in any category if you. Yeah, you can cook the stats if you don't read yeah. the fine. So he was having fun with that, but it's amazing how many number one realtors uh, exist out here in advertising, right? Yeah, and that is definitely my concern with authority from that level. Okay. If we're talking about designations, we talked about cars. Um, I like wearing suits often. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but uh, a suit would definitely be uh, a piece of clothing that establishes authority. I don't think in a greasy way at all, but you're you're 100% communicating, I am a professional. That is the intent. Yeah, and I have that in my mind, depending on where I'm going, like what type of property, if I think the other agent's going to be there, what type of person they are and who my clients are. I always like to be, even if it's only half a level, half a level higher than my clients and typically on par or somewhere sort of in line with the other agent. Yeah. So that I am, I fit in that hierarchy as far as Yeah, and then you formality. show a, you know, a $2 million house and the guys wearing flip-flops. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, and that makes me the authority, which is fine. Like, go ahead. That guy can show up and look like that. Now I am the authority. I think um, bus benches are probably a form of uh, authority as well. Like, especially when you put all the benches in one neighborhood. So you're like, oh, man, I don't even remember that necessarily I see Matt in that neighborhood all the time. Like, I see Matt's signs all, all over the place. All it proves is you spend a lot of money on bus benches. Right. And you spend that, and it's concentrated in uh, on a couple, you know, certain streets in a certain area. Yeah. yeah. As a sales tactic, though, 
definitely makes you look like an authority. Yeah. I mean, it makes it look like you have money to spend, which means you're successful. Yeah. And it means that you're concentrated in an area. So there's, there's so do you think that's greasy? There. I think it's greasy like the guy who calls themselves a luxury specialist and rarely sells anything luxury, like if you check their portfolio. And if there's those bus benches and you come in and you say, I am the Carisdale specialist and you've got a whole you're load the of bus benches, but you've actually only ever done one transaction there because you're new to the area, that to me is greasy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this one, for the most part, if you're being honest... And transparent, like the awards thing that you brought up. To me, that's if you don't put some sort of clarification on what that award means, that's an Uncle Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, don't as, touch the hair. As, as long as you're like, I always in my listing presentation put in that I'm medallion and that dad is lifetime medallion. Um, but I also put something in to explain it because I want them to know what it means. Uh, for those who don't know in the audience, uh, medallion is just the top 10%. Uh, it's volume-based, vo- which, volume, which is number the most, of transactions. Yeah, which yeah. is the, probably the best way to measure success in, in the business, really, right? So that's that's a normal one. Yeah. And then I think you recently got your Hall of Fame status, yeah. which I have as well. Yeah. And it's just a really funny one because yeah. it has nothing to do with volume. Like, no. It's, it's very funny. And, and once you get it, you always have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like the real Hall of Fame in sports, once you're in, you're in. Um, but yeah, it's just, a uh, uh, yeah, it, I, I actually don't like talking about the hall of fame one as much. I just, um, I, neither do I, but yeah. I had to bring it up because the, the name is ridiculous. Yes. It, it, it is not commensurate with, with what the award represents. It's misleading. It's, yeah. It's completely yeah. misleading. It makes you sound like you are an all time, you know, success favorite and it's, yeah. it's and, broken. Yeah. And it, it's just a matter of, for the audience who's like, well, tell me already. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just about commissioned <laughs> over the career at, 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 Remax. at Remax. So yeah, if you had been in real estate for 20 years, but only at Remax for two, yeah. it's going to take you a little while to get your Remax Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what's number five? Number five is consistency. And this one, uh, the title doesn't actually explain what it is very well. So as human beings, uh, the, the theory is essentially that we like to be consistent. And for the most part, uh, human beings like to be as true to their word as possible. Most of us really hate hypocrites, and we don't like to see ourselves as hypocritical. Uh, so the way this works in sales is if you get people to verbally commit to things, they are on some level it is much harder for them to uh, go back on their word. That doesn't mean they're never going to, but from a sales perspective, if you get somebody to say, yes, I'm going to work with you, they're much more likely to honor that than somebody who has not. Sort Um, of implicit commitment versus... And then where I would say we start getting into Uncle Jesse double down territory is the more we commit to things, the more likely we are to commit to other things. So the sales tactic is get a yes on something small, get a bigger yes, get a bigger yes, get a bigger yes, and then all of a sudden you've signed a listing. So that's the <laughs> that's the encyclopedia guy at your door saying, do you, do you, you folks you look like you, you care about your children? Is that would that be a true statement? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and you and you feel that uh, and you value you ed- education. education? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, if I had something that would help you with that, would that be something you'd be interested in? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and on and on it goes. Yeah, and um, it's been a long time since I've read this book. I couldn't remember what his exact example was, but it's what Jer just brought up. The three yeses is the sales. Getting to yes. Getting to yes. Totally. Yeah. Usually if a salesperson's asking you, would that be something you'd be interested in? <laughs> your, your red flag. Danger. Danger. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm the guy and you guys have been around when I get the cold calls. Oh, I phone. love when Matt gets cold called at the office by a, a sales What guy. if I told you I could increase your leads and increase your business? The guys who are calling realtors are so bad too. Like, do you want more listings? And every time I'm like, no, yeah, I'm good. no, I don't want more <laughs> listings. I know what you're doing. And that's what I think. But that's what Matt really says. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because once you're told this, you, you, you do start to get defensive, right? You don't want to just start throwing out yeses and taking the bait on this stuff. Yeah. You don't want to get played. Well, this is one that intellectually sounds so stupid. Like, to me, I'm like, just because I said, yes, I like education, and yes, I like my kids, I'm not going to buy the encyclopedias. But science disagrees with my natural impulse. Yeah, I mean, not everyone will, but there's a percentage who, if you just outright ask them, will you buy this, the answer is definitely no. But if you warm them into it, yeah, you're definitely going to close a whole lot more people. Our business is a bit different that way, because you, very rarely do you... Uh, fool someone into buying a house just by asking enough yes questions. Are you looking for a place for your family? Yeah, yeah. Th this yeah. one I had the hardest time thinking about how it applies to our business. Well, you can follow the same methodology like Jerry was just doing with the encyclopedia. Is if How do I get those encyclopedias, by the way, Jerry? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you after the show. Okay. They're in the computer. <laughs> Excellent <Yeah>. Zoolander <laughs> reference. <laughs> So, so let's say you know your clients pretty well. Um, you went, you started with step three, and they they like you, yeah, and uh, you understand uh, their personal situation pretty good. And you go through a house, and you actually know they they quite like it, or that it would be a good fit for them, but they're having a tough time. Yeah, you say, well, hey guys, uh, you're really into board games, and this got this like board game room here, Dan, and all these built-in shelving for storing that. I mean, that's probably a pretty good situation for what you guys are moving in here. Yeah, I really like that, and that's a good gaming table area there. I really like that. That's really good. Oh, and you guys like cycle a lot. This one has like the attached garage, and it's got a little extra depth where you guys can keep all your bikes secure. I mean, that's probably an important part. Yes, it is. I really like that it has that. And you can hmm. walk them through checking some boxes to help them maybe get over some anxiety to making an offer. Now, now that you're saying this, I feel like I do this without actually realizing on a conscious level because I never ask someone, oh, you, you like this? Do you want to write an offer? Like usually I'm, I start with the home. Like, did you like the home? What did you like about it? We talk about that and then go into, well, what about the neighborhood? Could you see yourself living here? Blah, blah, blah. And if they've answered yes to all of those, I think to myself, oh man, I'd better ask them if they want to write this because it now, sounds like they want to buy it. So are you closing them <laughs> or are you closing you? I might be closing me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Should I be recommending yeah. that we proceed? Yeah. yeah. Part of that's just doing, doing your job properly. Yeah. Going through like... Your initial meeting with these buyers, you're going through what's important to you. Yeah. So you're going through, and they're all of a sudden they're spending a half an hour in this house. Yeah. Or instead of 15 minutes, and you're like, this actually seems like they really like it. Going through those things, you know, the objections. Does it handle those objections you had? Yeah. Yes or no. It's not a sales. When you know when we do it, it's a 
it's yeah, but that is consistency. The, the title is, is consistency. Yeah, we are yeah. saying that this home is consistent with your needs. Yeah. You've told me what you want. I'm helping. And because if it does it, that, then we need to adjust things. Yeah, so, and and maybe we can also be as facilitators help on the opposite end when somebody says this doesn't check the boxes, but I want to buy it, and then we say, hold on a second, let's go back and look at our oh yeah list of priorities. You said you There's a this. lot of times where you're like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> you told me you really needed a yard. And this just has a little stamp in the back. Did something are, happen to your dog? Are you really okay with this? Because, you know, I mean, people's once people get out there looking, sometimes their needs change. But you want to just make sure. That... Yeah. So in that vein where we're helping to facilitate, that's pretty rice cakes greasy to me. Uh, but I've also been there and experienced it as a listing agent when somebody walks in with their client where they get real KFC double down. Yeah, And they're telling their client, like, this is the best deal. You can't pass this up. You have to buy this one. If you don't buy this one, yeah, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There's some scarcity going on. There, yeah. There's some authority. But, but, there. <laughs> but yeah. those guys who maybe are, are pushing a lot harder, right? Yeah. Less, less as a facilitator, all of those yeses of consistency versus yeah. um, maybe a, a more aggressive approach like Jeremy's first example with Encyclopedia. I'm having a hard time thinking of a good example of that, but I can definitely see some agents who are better at getting their clients to write on something that maybe wasn't all of their yeses, but the, client, the agent asked enough questions framed the right way to get them to say yes even though everyone knew maybe it wasn't a good fit i have a feeling too that this might apply more to getting the listing than getting the actual buying a home well that's a good spin too yeah because i think there's a lot of sitting at the table where people maybe want to take the evening to think about it and a very aggressive agent will start getting them to say yes on a bunch of stuff. What is it and that's then we'll, making you we'll want get to think to, about this? Well, if all of those things are great and I can get you everything you want, why don't we just sign the listing tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is obviously a, a key part there. And then the same goes when they're negotiating, right? Yeah. Right? Your, your client is being resistant on a certain price and the agent can yeah. get enough yeses to get them to take a price that when you first walked in the door, the seller... Mm-hmm. wasn't interested in accepting. Yeah. So there might be something going on there that gets down into the KFC double down territory. I, yeah. And I, I think this is one to really think about of all of them. This is the one to me when I was refreshing myself on the book that I had a forgotten about and B was like, this one isn't quite as intuitive as some of the other ones. But when I start to think about it, it is very real. Well, there's so many levels that the consumer can get sold by an agent. Yes. Right? Like getting the listing agreement signed. Oh, man, signed. I just said yes to Matt. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's the first yes. <laughs> the first, you have to sign an agreement to work together. But then you're working together, and you have to agree on... Then you're negotiating, and there's that part going on. And then maybe you're buying, and you're agreeing which properties to see, and then which properties to make an offer on. And then, then you've got to make an offer, but now you're negotiating with your client who's negotiating with someone else. There's so many opportunities for the agent to use this model yeah. to say... This confirm this is what you said you wanted, yes. And this is what you said you were looking for, yes. And this is the outcome you said you wanted, yes. Okay, so why aren't we proceeding? And you said you wanted to get the kids into school before it started, yes. Right, so yeah. some things, uh, so so what are we doing here? Are we making ourselves look bad or are we just as a cautionary tale to make sure it's consistent with the consumer's actual needs? To, to this, this one I feel like on the grease scale really can be all over the place. And I think it's just something that, the consumer needs to keep in the back of their mind that 
if I'm getting asked a lot of questions, it may be for my best interest, it may be not, but I just need to know that mentally when I'm saying yes consistently, I'm more susceptible to saying yes to the next thing. And other than being greasy, I mean, if I was, if we were closing buyers like that, and I, I always tell our, tell our clients this, you know, when, when I'm working to sell your home, I'm in sales mode, you know, everything I can do to sell your home. That's what you've hired me for. But when I'm working with a buyer, my goal is not, I'm not there to sell anything. I'm yeah. there to be a resource, there for information. Um, so yeah, I don't think, I, I would feel like if you sold some, if you were, if you were an aggressive salesperson and you were closing your buyer, so to speak, during their subject removal period, they could, that's when I think they're going to have, and this is, does like, maybe this happened to be once, but where someone's like wakes up in the morning and realizes I was just closed on writing the offer on this place. We don't like this place. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's, let's get into the last one. Uh, so the last one is consensus and essentially what this boils down to is that we trust our friends and people we actually know more than we trust science and polls. Uh, an example of this, which was not from the book because I can't remember the example from the book, but would be if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and the movie you want to see. Maybe I can find the example from the book. Oh, you got it there? (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Been hanging on to that one. Matt was doing some homework. No, I've actually never opened it. But you've owned it before we planned this episode? It's my wife's book. Oh. She's read it and loves it. Yeah. Tell, told me about it. Yeah. I've never opened it. Nice. But I thought, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to have this on hand just yeah. in case. That was a good little reveal. Do that, want... that was some good radio there, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> For those not listening, Matt just pulled out the book as if from nowhere. Surprise. Um, Do any of the techniques sort of ring true, sound familiar? Has your wife been using them on you? Yeah. How often does does uh, Liz get three yeses before she asks you what she really wants? Um, okay. So back to consensus. So uh, my example would be you want to go to a movie and you look up on Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a terrible score. And for those who don't know, Rotten Tomatoes collects all of the reviews on the internet and puts them together. So this should be a very reliable source. Mm -hmm. But then you walk over to your friend Jeremy and Jeremy is like, oh, actually, I really liked that movie. And I, the human condition is to weight Jeremy's opinion higher than those hundreds of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? My opinion? If I like you. Oh. Um... (laughs) And I think you have similar tastes in movies than me and whatnot. Um, not board games. N- sure, yeah. If, if you, well, you know, we like the if same you games. if you liked board games, uh, this would be. I a, love board games. Um, Avid board games. If game you player. liked playing board games, um, Lo- correction. <laughs> <laughs> love, love playing. Okay, I like oh. watching. Pe- I like watching people play board games. So, um, to me, I think the biggest real estate example that jumps out in my head is uh either the referral um or testimonials and and the the modern version of this would be google reviews facebook reviews yeah like that's and and i don't know if this is greasy at all um I don't know what the greasy version of this looks like. Like, is there a greasy version? I guess if you're paying people's friends to say nice things about you, like Oh, it's online reviews. I feel, I feel they're pretty credible. I, yeah, I don't know if I see a, you see a restaurant or something and if it's below three, you're probably not, not going there. I think even maybe even if you said it was good. I, 
Well, that actually, the flip side, like restaurants is a perfect example. Because if I get bad reviews on a restaurant, but one of my friends says I liked it, they liked it, I'll go check that restaurant out. For sure. My concern with this about real estate is when someone is told like, oh, you have to hire my realtor. They're the best. Yeah. How much context does that person have (laughs) to know that their realtor is the best? Yeah. I get it. You hired the realtor. From your perspective, you had a good experience. But if you've only ever had one experience, how do you know they did it right? Yeah. I mean, the the best (laughs) is obviously hyperbole. What they probably do know is that they felt well taken care of, that they probably felt like they had their best needs at heart, and probably they're a good judge of whether or not they can trust that person. Whether they're the best is... Well, yeah, even, but yeah. the fact that they're an advocate for this person, unfortunately, yeah. I've seen it where many times an agent, somebody, they come in, they're like, oh, no, I was told to work with this agent. You know, my friend said that this is definitely the person to hire. And you're like, this is absolutely the wrong person to hire. Yeah. This agent is not qualified from three different perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, your friend I know is trying to help you and thinks that this person is good as a good fit, but they're wrong. Well, and this is, this is where it goes to in the book is uh, on an individual level, we're not always correct, but we tend to trust our friends more. Yes. So, so I don't know yeah. if there's a way that we as like realtors leverage that to dupe the consumer. I think the consumer has probably done a disservice from this perspective just from their friends who, granted, don't have enough experience in real estate to know why one agent is better than another. They're just yeah. saying, my experience was good. And so the, the person looking for an agent says, well, my friend who I trust said they had a good experience. I, I even had somebody say to me once, I'd rather get screwed by an agent that was recommended to me than by like, a stranger. Like he just assumed that every realtor was going to screw him over. What a weird statement. Yeah, mm. but that because he didn't hire me, mm-hmm. and he hired somebody who was brand new. Yeah, had no idea what she was doing. I watched the transaction, completely screwed it up. Yeah, but his language to me was, "Well, Matt, I mean, it looks like kind of you know what you're doing around here, but I'm going to get screwed either way. I'd rather get screwed by someone I know than someone I don't." <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, so and I don't is, know either, right? It, to them, it was a good experience, but they have no idea that that's not how it's supposed to go. No, they all. don't know that their agent didn't do a bunch of showings or was poorly marketing their home or yeah. categorized it wrong or whatever. People don't know the parts that were missing. They just know it was fun. <laughs> what a fun experience, but it wasn't, yeah. So that's that's where maybe it, this to a consumer could, could... I mean, but the thing is, our listeners, yeah. as, I'm, as we do this show more and more and we're getting more engagement with our listeners, are the analytical type who aren't going to get caught by just one person's opinion. You are suck-holing so bad right now. <laughs> I'm being sincere. No, I know. I'm just the, giving the, you a hard time. The type of people who are listening to this show are doing their homework. Yeah, the person who decides to listen to a weekly real estate <laughs> podcast is probably not the the guy who hires the realtor who's been in business for two weeks. Well, they don't just accept that somebody hands over a name and they say, cool, I'll hire that person. I trust you. They're going to do a little more research. You know who I've realized has more authority right now than anyone? Just going back for a second. The mommy groups. <laughs> they do. There is so much power in the mommy groups. Hmm. Yeah. Well, none of us can join. We are not allowed. Not Correct. allowed. Yeah. There, there's a ton of power in those. When, yeah. when people see recommendations in there, they're, they're all over it's it, the right? gospel. Yeah. yeah. And... The same risk is at hand there, hiring anyone, even if it's just a painter. 
Yeah. Right? Oh, can you recommend a painter? Oh, yeah. Well, this person came in. I thought they did a good job. Well, did you get three quotes? I mean, you liked them and you did a good job. Cool. But do you know if they were actually good value? I, I will say to the credit of most, I don't know about all the mommy groups, but I, I get recommended in the New West Mom group from time to time. And usually when I get called in, they're interviewing a couple other agents. Um, well, the type of people who look for recommendations typically yeah. want... Well, and, and there's a storm of names. Like I always <laughs> ask when somebody... I always ask where people came got my name from. And if they say the mom group, I'm always like, oh, who else was recommended? And they've got like a list of 15 agents who have been recommended and they picked three and away they went. Yeah, everybody just jumps on. Oh, my friend, my friend, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, I know a person. And that's the risk in this though, It's just right? opinions. It, yeah. It's just their friend. They're yeah. trying to help their friend. Like if they got 15 names that are on there, yeah. I'm willing to bet 10 of them are completely ill-qualified for what that person is asking for help for. I would think that's fair. In, in, in the mom group recommendations, I would say probably a third of the recommendations are usually like names that, that consistently work in New West. But there's always some, and they don't usually get called. So, I mean, these people are doing, but there's always somewhere, because Rachel's in the group, and sometimes she'll be like, hey, you got mentioned in here. And then when I scroll through, I'm like, I don't know that dude. I don't know that dude either. Who's that lady? That's the the part that's kind of making my blood boil about this, right? Is that somebody is coming out there and advocating for this person, and they're not a good fit, right? But as a sales tactic... Yeah, like and we put more weight on it for some. Yeah, it, proven we do, and that's why we want to gather our. Like a recommendation made on an individual level is more valuable than a Google review. A Google review. So would yeah. it would it be a total Uncle Jesse eating a double down if Matt or I tried to get our wives into this mommy group so that local other New West agents get to be plugged? Is that greasy? Well, you guys do come up already, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like. Thanks, thanks, mommy group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big fans over here. <laughs> yeah. my, my wife is not in the mom group, so I'm not getting that intel. Yeah, yeah, but um, I because Rachel has from time to time recommended me, and whenever she throws that in there, I always tell the person because Rachel and I don't have the same last name. And I don't want them to find out. Like, I don't want them to think that they were hoodwinked. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, who recommended me? And luckily, usually it's Rach and a couple other people. You're rice, mentioned. you're rice caking it. Uh, well, yeah, I just don't. I want to be full disclosure. I want the transparency of a rice cake, not the <laughs> not the indigestion of a double down. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so those those are uh, our six weapons of influence. Um, I hope. I hope the listeners got a lot out of that. I had a lot of fun talking about this stuff with you that guys. That was a fun one. Nice um, break from the politics. Yeah. And speaking of which, next week we will be back <laughs> with uh, a little bit more politics. Uh, I'm really excited. Matt, who are we having on next week? The mayor. <laughs> He's going to come to my house. <laughs> wow. Sit in my dining room. <laughs> the mayor. Are you going to let him use your mic? Oh. No, nope. no, no, no. <laughs> the guests. Three no's. No, the guests always get the SM58. There's consistency so in that. My, my, okay. Yeah. The yeah. guests always get that one. The uh yeah, so we're having the mayor on. We're going to we're going to talk some more some more questions. Uh probably a lot of the same questions we did before, but if people have other questions, uh please send those to feedback at morealestateshow.com. We'd love to have some uh new ones to send to them. And if you guys are enjoying this show, 
uh, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, we've been really happy with the growth of the series uh, so far, but that just helps us uh, keep getting out to more people. And future show topics. And f- we're done oh, with yeah. collections. Yeah, if you've got an idea for something you want to talk about or want us to talk about, that would be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a neat new addition to the show. We just started publishing to YouTube. Yeah, the radio, the radio show on YouTube. The radio show on YouTube. But I discovered as Great we were watch. preparing for the show today that when we put in our show notes timestamps on when different topics come up, is you can just click right on that time and jump ahead. Neat. So, so, so you can now find us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Yeah, so we're on all podcast flat platforms and now video platforms. Nice. <laughs> That's very cool. All right, well, if you, if you want to get a hold of uh, Matt Brabens or Jeremy Ray, you can find them at thenewwestguys.com. If you want to get a hold of me, Jeff McLennan, I am at realestatenewwest.com. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Thank you guys very much.